Welcome to the Alfa Romeo Podcast. I'm Ian Bennett, the host of the podcast. We're going to be talking about the Alfa Romeo brand, 1923, and why Savoci painted a four-leaf clover on his car in preparation for the Targa Florio, and what that means to the modern car, either the Giulia, or any other performance Alfa to date. The reason we're going to be talking about this is because life is too short to drive boring cars. This is a section where it's news and whinging and complaining and trying to trying to figure out what Alfa Romeo is doing now. And holy shit, they announced the Stelvio compact SUV. You know that really really popular range of cars, small SUV crossover, and they put 505 horsepower in the Quadrifoglio version. It's all-wheel drive, Italian design, based on the Giulia. It's pretty fucking awesome. And Alpha will sell their shitload of these cars. Like, there's no way this car is not going to sell. I'm sure it's immediately going to sell out whenever it's actually available. So if you, if you like this kind of a car and 500 horsepower, you're, th- this is a dream car come true for, for a lot of people. Um, I mean, any small SUV or crossover sells like crazy especially in the premium segment. I mean, the Bentley Bottega, whatever that is, it's $200,000. That car is sold out. People just love small crossovers. And since it's built on the Julia platform, nothing that we could say or do that would mean this car is going to suck. I mean, the Julia did the ring in 7, 735 or something like that. Who the heck knows what the Stelvio, which is an SUV, technically an SUV, you know, old days it might have been might have been a wagon if they had one inch less of ride height, but um, but now it's an SUV and the thing's gonna be totally awesome if they could actually, you know, get them here to the U.S. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Giulia and the Stelvio. They both have the same V6 twin turbo engine, big giant vents on the front of the car. They got huge exhaust coming out the back, probably two and a half to three inch exhaust. Probably not three inch, but let's say two and a half two and a half inch exhaust coming out the back. Um, both can be optioned with huge carbon fiber brakes up front, so there'll be no brake fade on the track, or if you're really speeding down the highway or back roads fast. Um, both have certainly very Italian design. Um, they each carry through a really unique 1960s version of Alpha, which is the people call it like this periscope um, gauge cluster. And it doesn't mean you're looking through a periscope to look at the gauge cluster, but it has like these tunnel hoods that shade the gauge cluster. And that tunnel kind of looks like a periscope. Um, you know, the periscope hoods that you would look through if you were in a submarine looking through the, the periscope at obviously the, the surface. Um, and these, these hoods, they kept, this is from the 1960s. They kept these design elements in the Stelvio and in the Julia that they're producing today. Uh, let's talk about some, some performance figures. So Julia does the Nordschleifer, which is the Nuremberg ring or in, in the Nuremberg ring, which is the Julia does it in seven minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, it's a 505 horsepower car, 
we we believe this is the all-wheel drive version of this car, but you can obviously get the Quadrifoglio in a two-wheel drive format, I believe. Uh, the 0 to 60 time of the Julia is 3.9 seconds. That is supercar quick. I mean, it is not uh, Noble MC12 quick or uh, or Pagani Zonda quick, but for a normal driving car, that is insanely fast. Um, the uh, By comparison, the Alfa Romeo 4C, which is a two-door convertible or two-door coupe 4c does it does zero to 60 in 4.1 seconds so even though this is a four-door saloon the two-door coupe does it slower by 0.2 of a second um also on that nurburgring time you get the as a comparison okay the bmw m2 which is their you know let's call it their traditional m3 um life cycle to the m2 that traditional car is I'm oh, sorry that new car based on the tradition the M2 it does the Nürburgring in 7 minutes and 58 seconds 7 minutes and 58 seconds that that is 30 seconds roughly 30 seconds behind the Giulia Quadrifoglio version from Alfa Romeo that is crazy i mean I mean, it's a long track. I mean, in eight minutes to go around a track, it's a really long track. But still, obviously, the horsepower difference between the two cars, the handling differences between the two cars, make up 30 seconds on the Nordschleifer. That is just incredible. And and honestly, although the Julia is going to be a little bit more expensive than the M2 by ten or $20,000, by the time you're into like the 60 plus, 60 to $80,000 price range for a car, I don't know how... $20,000 makes any difference. I mean, you're already paying way over $1,000 a month for, for that car in a five-year plan, payment plan. And if you're paying cash, what's the difference between $60,000 and $80,000? I mean, $20,000, but, but who really cares when you're getting a car that is faster than every Ferrari except the F40 from the 1990s? Oh, and you can fit four people in it, and it has a trunk, a functional uh, functional everything navigation everything and it's not a track car i mean it's just just stunning that alpha could put out a car like this and it be their top of the line version of this model i have no idea what the performance version of these models is going to be besides the julia let's say they come out with the julia gta a flashback to their gta version of the car from the 1960s julia i mean how much faster could it be 3.6 seconds 3.7 seconds i mean now you're getting into hypercar kind of territory for speed so uh i'm really excited about the car i really wish i could afford one and get one i'm probably just going to be able to be limited to test driving one just to see how it is when they eventually reach the u.s and you you guys have already heard about my rant on on when they reach the u.s and and how some people are really in bad shape around that process but um just to know that that car out there exists built by alfa romeo 100 percent assembled in in I think it's assembled in Barese, but I got to check. Um, wow. Like, what? what's not to be impressed by? I, I don't know. It, it's a great, great story. Let's talk about the reality that is the modern Alpha brand. Uh, Alpha or, you know, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, FCA, they can't take care of their customers. They can't deliver fucking cars. They never did well with the 4C. I mean, that's an understatement. 
like that thing was delayed, at least coming to the US. That thing was delayed. You couldn't get one. Then when you could get one, you know, they, they sat around on dealer lots forever because they kind of missed the wave of, of the advertising. And you, you'd think, okay, they learn from the 4C. They get a better, a much more rounder car like the Julia four door, you know, 500 horsepower quadrifolio version, a two liter that they're going to bring out. Um, you know, it's a lower horsepower version, but like 40 grand or so, supposed to be 40 grand. Who the hell knows? Cause you can't even buy the damn things, but they've definitely launched it and you can buy them. People place orders and they can't deliver cars. No one has any idea when this car is going to show up. And in the U S anyway, if you don't know when your car is going to show up, it totally fucks your whole life. Sometimes. I mean, it's a car centric life. It's not a weekend car. The only way you get to work, the only way you pick your kids up, the only way you can get to college is through a car. And it's, eh, I guess college is probably the wrong reference. No, no one, <laughs> I doubt many people who are in college are going to have, uh, you know, an M3 competitor, a BMW M3 competitor in the Julia. But you would think they screwed up the 4C, they would do better this time around. No, no one knows when their car will get here in the U.S. Even the damn website hasn't been updated in 10 months with the vehicle configurator. So, you, I mean, you can't even build a virtual Julio, never mind a Stelvio that they just announced. It's pathetic, and everyone in the U.S. hates bad service. For a premium brand like Alpha, the, 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 it's already uphill, and they have good products. But damn, are they really just sticking it to their customers. And long, long run in the U.S., that's just not going to work. All right, rant over, whinge over, news over. Stelvio's announced, Julia's delayed as always. Our rant wasn't over. I apologize. I had to give some comparison. A lot of people, you know, don't even know what Alpha is. They don't know where it, where it even came from. They don't know any of the history. So think, and so we're talking like customer service, levels of customer service. Think Comcast. Or where you, wherever you live in the world, think of your local cable television or internet provider level of service. FCA or free, you know, Fiat Chrysler America, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles will have cars here sometime between months eight and twelve, and will not call when they show up or let you know how you should deal with them in the process. Then at the last minute, they'll cancel the manual-only option with the Quadrifolio model and fuck you with an automatic only. This is Comcast or your cable provider level of service from a premium automobile company. I mean, they canceled a feature that most people thought was the greatest idea ever to have a manual in the the highest performance version. Manual means stick shift. Thank you so much, FCA. Or should I just call, stop calling you by that and say, thank you, FCA Comcast, <laughs> FCA cable provider. That's the level of service people are getting here in the U.S. It is horrible. All right, let's move on to classics. So... Classics are restored or found to classic models. You're talking barn finds. You're talking all different types of stuff. And really what we're talking about is cars prior to 2014 in the U.S. when the 4C showed up. 
and it's U.S. centric, guys. I mean, guys and gals. I mean, I'm in the U.S. This is why why I'm talking about it is because Alfa Romeo's come back to the U.S. Um, In the first podcast, I had to find one of the most beautiful Alfa Romeos from the pre-war period. Um, I picked the Alfa Romeo 60 2500 Sport Berlinetta by Touring. This car was gifted by Mussolini to his lover, Claretta Petici. This car is deco all over it. I mean, huge swooping fenders. I mean, the thing is drop-dead gorgeous. It's only got an inline six, but it's qualified to race the Millia by the fact that it's built in 19... You know, it's hand-built in 1939. The car was shipped back to the U.S. in 1949 and lived its life in upstate New York in a barn 20 years before a restoration began that took three owners and probably 30 more years. The whole reason I'm talking about this, though, is that the car recently sold $2.1 million. There are tons of photos online about this car. And... The reason this car makes my list is the story of Mussolini. So Mussolini is trying to escape persecution with his mistress, Clara. How it's been written, and I think this is true at this point, given it's attached to the car and certified by these auction houses. The story goes, Clara was given the car by Mussolini, and it was used in her escape to Lake Como, hopefully neutral Switzerland. They were trying to get to Switzerland. But in their attempt to flee from Rome northwards, and this is a fast car. I mean, it's an Alfa Romeo pre-war car. I mean, six-cylinder, but still had 100 horsepower or more. She's intercepted at a checkpoint. And although she picked up Mussolini, they're both identified. They're both arrested at the checkpoint and shot at gunpoint soon after. This car's story is staggering, not just because of, you know, it was owned by the dictator Mussolini, but it was gifted to his mistress, which apparently everybody knew about. I don't, it's surprising this could happen, but I guess it's Italy. And then the mistress drives it as an escape car for the dictator trying to escape persecution. I mean, it falls into an army, some army captain's hands, and he ships it back to the U.S. and drives it for a little while in upstate New York. Then it gets put in the barn and it gets lost for 30, 40 years. Then they do a restoration on it. It's now perfect. It just sold for, for $2 million. You can check it out. Um, oh, it's just gorgeous. Just sex on wheels, especially for 1939. So this 2500 Sport Berlinetta by Touring, um, for a lot of people who don't know what Touring is, Touring is a hand-built car company in Italy. And what I mean by hand-built is they take rough sheet metal, so flat sheet metal, and use a number of you know hand tools, automated tools, auto hammering tools, and they in the English wheel shrinker stretcher, and they literally shrink and stretch the metal to create curves. So they take this Berlinetta Alfa Romeo, they create the curves that Touring wants the car to look like by hand. They're hand-built cars. And, you know, they didn't, do this, do this, they didn't just do this for Alfa Romeo. They did this for Aston. They did it for Alfa. They did it for Mercedes. I mean, I've seen a Corvette that had a Touring-built body on it. You could send any car that you had to Touring, and they would build you a custom body to fit. And that's what this... 
1939 6E2500 Sport Berlinetta is. It's a custom hand-built body, so it's one of one. Um, besides that, besides it's hand-built, it's hand-built with deco styling. What that means is it has the big, swooping, Delahaye kind of fenders on the front with the pinched boat tail rear-end coupe design. Because it's not a convertible, it's a coupe. And it has that boat tail. Somehow they were able to take the convertible boat tail and turn it into like the boat a boat tail for a coupe. Um, very, very few cars. Kind of like the E-type, E-type Jag coupe look. Kind of has that bit of boat tail back to it. Um, just incredible lines on the back of that car. Now, besides like that swooping body line, that boat tail back line, you have these, which is very unique. I don't think I've ever seen this on the w- rear wheels. It, it's full fender, so that means the the wheel is completely covered by the fender to follow the body line at the bottom of the car. So there's like a shell over the top of the wheel. You can't really see the full rear wheel. And the reason for that is obviously this this Art Deco style and to follow in like Delahaye's style um, of of their cars. But you know it just makes the car part of that period and like really elegant but something i've never seen on these fenders these kind of full fenders on the back before is this swooping um almost like a hermes the god hermes um the the little wings that he has on his on his shoes for flying around they're like these little little embossed hermes swoops on these fenders these fender covers or fender flare covers I've never seen that before in a car, so it's really, really unique that they have these kind of curves on the the boat tail coupe back with those enclosed rear wheels with those that kind of Hermes style swooping uh shoe line that they have on there. I've never seen that before and um if you go around to the to the front of the car, if you come around to the front, you're leaving that boat tail back, you come around to the front. There's two main headlights, which is really simple compared to a lot of other cars of the same period. If you look at Cadillac or the Duesenbergs, they all had like four or five headlights, six headlights on the front of the car. Um, two simple headlights built into the flare, the fairing of the body. So they're flush with the body. They're not, they don't stick out proud of the body. And then this big hot rod style drooping front lip grill. So the grill is like three feet tall and it droops down below the front axle and kind of does that chin scoop grill droop to it, like you do, like a lot of people have in their hot rods today from the 1940s and 50s, or hot rods inspired from that same time. They have that grouping, that drooping grill. Um, that's just so so nice with the swooping fenders on the front, those enclosed fenders on the back, and that boat tail rear end of the coupe. Um, now to the wheels, the wheels. For me, from the photos, I haven't seen it in person, but from the photos, they have uh, chrome wire wheels. Look to be about like 14-inch chrome wire wheels, and they're gorgeous. The sidewall is probably about 100, 100 mils on the, millimeters on the side of it, so huge, giant tires. But on these beautiful chrome wire wheels, um, the last thing, probably there's two last things I want to mention about the design of the car. It looks like they had some trouble with the windshield, and the the curve of the windshield was super, super curved. So they had to put a two-piece windshield in. So there's like a left side of the windshield and a right side of the windshield. 
I, I always thought it was connected. It was one windshield that was like a bent piece of glass, but actually it's a two piece windshield with a divider in the middle. Um, that is really unique too. I, I've not, I've not seen that on an Alfa Romeo of that time. Now, maybe I'm just not informed, which is very likely, but I just haven't seen Alfa Romeo with a lot of those split windshields. Um, the le- very last thing on the back of the car, you got that coupe, uh, boat tail coupe design. It has brake lights on the left and right, but above the license plate, and I don't know if the license plate is more modern placement for it, but it's right in the center of the back of the car. There are three brake lights um, that are above the license plate, like you'd have a brake light on the back of your car. You know, you've got the left brake light, the right brake light, and then you have a light in the center of the car that's up a little bit higher. And those three lights make up your brake light. In this car, you have a, a, a brake light on the left, a brake, a brake light on the right, and then you have three lights in the middle that make up your brake lights as well. So you get like five lights that make up your brakes on the back of this car. Um, and that's probably appropriate because if anybody hit the rear end of this car, first of all, it'd be a million dollar plus insurance claim because... How are you going to call up the craftsmen from 1939 from touring in Italy and have them recraft you a rear end for this car? It would be impossible. You'd have to send it out to a really high-end fabrication shop, and they would have to have a million photos and measurements and dimensions to be able to rebuild the rear end of this car, which is a solid one-piece welded-together uh, construction. So pray to God your brake lights work. There are enough of them, uh, and you can really see like how beautiful that rear end is with those brake lights the front end with that drooping grill that split windshield and obviously the gorgeous gorgeous alfa romeo red color kind of that pre-war red color which is a little bit not so bright it's a very dark red and not quite as shiny they don't put a big big gloss on the um on the clear coat it's almost like they use a medium solid clear coat versus a high solid clear coat on the modern paint job to just dull it down just a little bit, because obviously they were all coated in lacquer back then, not not two-stage paint. Um, but what a beautiful car. I really love it. I had to talk about it on the podcast. I'm calling this fire, wind, grace, and strength. This is technolo- technological advances and why the fuck it matters, like why Alfa Romeo matters. What what did they do? I mean, there's a lot of also rands in the automotive industry. I don't I don't know a whole lot about Hyundai, but I mean Hyundai comes to mind as a as a also rand kind of brand. But Alfa Romeo and technological advances is stunning. Okay. Um the most recent one that I want to bring up today because it makes sense is the 4C. Uh, everybody and their brother knows the fo- Alfa Romeo 4C is made from a carbon fiber tub or a carbon fiber chassis and tub with other components bolted or bonded to that carbon fiber monocoque chassis. The reason why this matters, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't understand, like, why, the, who cares? I mean, who cares? Carbon fiber, steel, doesn't make any difference. It makes a big difference because the composite material is what's used in an F1 car. F1 is Formula One, the number one racing. I guess it's certain the number one racing team, the number one racing series in the world. I mean, it's Formula One. Everybody can do Mercedes, Ferrari, um, Red Bull. I mean, there's there's 
Renault, tons of even the U.S. with with in this year in 2016, the U.S. finally had a team in there. Um, and every single car is made of carbon fiber. So if you go back in time, all of the F1 technology eventually trickles down to passenger car technology. I'm talking carbon fiber brakes from the 80s, eventually made it a passenger car. Not every car, but still a lot of cars today have carbon fiber brakes. We've never had it before because they were invented in F1 and they were just amazing. Um, that's just one example. This is the carbon fiber tub. It'll never rust because obviously it's made out of carbon fiber. Um, the next closest car that I was able to find is in the $100,000 plus range, maybe $200,000. And this car, the whole car, costs $84,000 right now and includes a carbon fiber tub. For for alpha fans to know that the tub will never rust, I mean, there's going to be other problems with it, but the fact that the tub will never rust, and if you're a somebody dealing with an old car from the 60s, an old Julia from the 60s, or... Uh, uh, a duetto from the Dustin Hoffman, you know, days of the early 60s. Um, it's unbelievable. You know, and to put it on kind of a mass production scale, you know, the the Mustang GT350R, which is a car that came out just very recently this year, I mean, it has carbon fiber wheels. That's the only thing close in a production environment that has carbon fiber as much as the Alfa Romeo 4C's carbon fiber tub. No one's making carbon fiber tub for a road-going car. No one. And that's a huge technological advancement, grace, strength, fire, and wind. All right, genius or luck, I want to talk about something groundbreaking, just a quick story to end the podcast. is the first one. So... 1923, if you've seen um, the clover leaf on the quadrifolio models, that's been used since 1923. The story goes, uh, Savochi is in the Targa Florio. He's a great driver. He has been racing with Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, on the Alfa Romeo race team. This is dirt roads on an island. I mean, sheep are roaming the race course at this point. This is way, way back in 1923. And he's just had a bad season. He's a fast driver, but he's had a bad season. He hasn't won a single race. So he gets to, you know, after one of his practice laps and just before taking on the, the, main, um, the main race, breaks out the, bo- the, the can of white paint, paints a diamond on the grill of the car. And I don't mean a small diamond. I mean, the thing is... 20 inches across by 20 inches tall on a on a hood that's maybe 50 inches or, or 60 inches long and probably the alpha people would be like no the hood was 200 inches long or whatever there's some the thing is huge you can see it in the, in the show notes you can link to it paints a diamond and a four-leaf clover like the uh the irish four-leaf clover on the vents of the car i mean it's blaringly obvious he's got this on the car for for good luck Lo and behold, guy races the Targa Florio, wins the Targa Florio, and later that same year, he's still painting the the four-leaf clover with the diamond on his car. Just before he's able to paint it on his car at the race, I think, was at Monza. Um, You know, he's not able to paint that on his car before the race, uh, before one of the practice sessions had started. And uh, he crashes and dies. And so 
Alfa Romeo from then on said, look, um, we're going to change the, the diamond shape, which was that white diamond with the quadrifolio uh, cloverleaf in it, to a three-pointed diamond with the quadrifolio leaf in it. And, and the, they removed that single point for, Savocci, for Savocci's death. And now it's a, now it's a three, three-pointed diamond with, with, the, with the clover. too short to drive boring cars. This is from the Alfa Romeo Canada t-shirt that my wife gave me from Amazon last Christmas. Apparently I'm Canadian even though I'm in Memphis, Tennessee and uh, life is too short to drive boring cars. Please be excited about Alfa Romeo. I'm excited about Alfa Romeo. I think they can do great. I want them to do great. They've done great in the past and that's what this podcast is all about.